0: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp online therapy. Visit BetterHelp.com/Padilla because sometimes existing is exhausting. My name is Anthony Padilla, and I spent a day with maladaptive daydreamers. We'll uncover the truth about how one of the guests today experienced a daydream so intoxicating they couldn't pull themselves out of it for over a week. How the plots of these daydreams can become so involved and intricately woven that they feel like TV shows persistently playing in their brain, and why one of the guests in this video has been dubbed the patient X of maladaptive daydreaming. By the end of this video, we'll find out if maladaptive daydreaming has allowed them to harness their creativity and enter their most fantastical fictional worlds at a moment's notice, or if it's left them feeling imprisoned by the compulsion to daydream and unable to enjoy existence otherwise.
1: Hello, Levi. Anthony, how are you?
0: Kristen. Hi. Jane.
2: Hello, Anthony.
0: Can you describe what maladaptive daydreaming is? When
2: we think daydream, we think like innocuous activity that everybody does. The amount of time is what makes it different. Like People can spend hours and days in these imaginary fantasy worlds. Oftentimes, I think people like these imaginary worlds better than the real world, which is when it starts to become a problem started when I was a really young child. I was just taking my favorite TV shows and making up different endings, adding characters. I called it watching TV in my
1: head. I started daydreaming when I was super young, about six years old. Some maladaptive daydreamers have these inner worlds called paracosms. World building in your mind. So you have characters, a main character, events happening, action. With time, you know, mind just evolved sort of into this giant city with a ton of characters having their own roles, clothing that they wear, personalities all developed. And um, I can't remember what your question was. Can you repeat it? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Did you start to go to your paracosm? Yeah, I kind of went and just Yeah, I
3: was gone. (laughs) I was five or younger. It was a war scene. We were under fire. There was a lot of ordnance coming in, explosions and fires everywhere, and he'd been shot in the gut, and he was laying out in the open. We were the rebels fighting against an empire. The war that they were fighting uh, they lost. So then it changed into this, like searching for a new home, being dogged by the enemy, and and all the drama that comes with living in close quarters. I still have some of my original yeah. characters from when I was five. Like they're still alive. They're still impacting the plot, but they've had children, and a couple of them have even had grandchildren. If I sat down with a pen and paper and like drew up family trees, I could probably easily come up with a hundred characters who have names and at least a bare-bones story.
0: A movie, a a saga playing out in front of you at all times, that is incredibly engrossing.
3: It is very much like watching a really awesome movie all the time.
0: What did people see when you were daydreaming.
2: I would spin in circles while
3: pacing, and I
2: looked like I was crazy. I had
1: something called rhythmic movement disorder. I would rock my entire body backwards and forwards while listening to music. People like my family, for instance, would know, Okay, I'm doing this R&D thing whenever it was going on, whenever my music was on, but they never knew what was going on in
3: my head. In my early years, I think it just looked like a kid playing. My adolescence and my teenage years, I would just lay in bed, and I would tell everybody I was sleeping, and everybody thought that I was asleep for hours, for days. There was this little incident, and I had been in bed since, like, the day before, and my family was going to visit my grandmother, and my dad was like yelling up the stairs, like, get dressed, we're heading out. No, I'm not going. And he he pulled me, dragged me out of bed and started dragging me down the hall. I think that he thought if he showed me how very serious he was about getting me out of that bed and getting me to do something, that I would do it. But he grossly underestimated how very serious I was about staying in that bed. They just thought I was sleeping and I wasn't sleeping. I was never sleeping.
0: Would you try to hide these experiences when you were younger? Did you let anyone know what you were doing?
3: Once I learned to do
2: it in my head without without showing it, I didn't tell anyone. And then around 17 I told my parents and they just laughed.
0: <laughs> it just seems harmless, right? Seems completely harmless. Yeah, they're
2: like you're daydreaming, so what? <laughs>
0: Is your daydreaming a completely enjoyable experience or are there harmful aspects to it?
3: When it starts to become a priority, that's where the problem is because it was it was a priority over, over everything else in my life. I missed out on a lot of what I should have been doing to set myself up for the future and on a lot of those those formative years where you' you're learning how to socialize as an adult like there's skills I'm kind of having to learn late in life.
0: So you could become attached to these ideas and, and this new reality that you built for yourself in such a strong way that when you come back to reality it feels disappointing. It feels like losing something because one moment you have something that
1: you really probably desire, And then you're reminded, well, I don't actually have it, even though it was right there in front of me and I could vividly imagine it and see it.
3: I prioritized it over my jobs. I was good at my job. I had opportunities for advancement, but they would require more hours. And I was not willing to give up my lifestyle to do that. I wanted to go home after my shift and daydream until my next shift. Things have passed me over. I, I didn't advance in my career. It really was not until my son was born that I, I finally had like a, a reason, a real reason, to need to change. Because before that, bef- before you have something like that. It's, it's really easy to think, like, what does it matter? I'm, I'm not hurting anybody else. And it was not until I had to face that that I realized exactly how deep I was in. That's one of the weird fears that I, I I've kind of had being old and on my deathbed. I only have a few minutes left and I choose to spend them in my daydream rather than with my children.
0: <laughs> so having your child helped you realize that you really wanted to get a better handle on your daydreaming so you wouldn't find yourself on your deathbed choosing to daydream over spending your final moments with your family.
3: It's really easy to talk about maladaptive daydreaming in a lighthearted way. That's not what MD is, MD is everything that it takes away from you.
0: You do live with some regrets about the way that maladaptive daydreaming is. Influenced your life and your decisions?
3: There's definitely regrets. I I could have had a career, but I torpedoed it. I could have had another child. I I mean, I'm going to have run out of time to have children now because I I made those decisions based on how they would impact a fucking fantasy.
0: How long is your longest daydreaming session?
3: Days would just sleep through a school vacation. A school vacation is like a week long, so that must be the longest I've ever gone.
1: An hour or two, I struggled to listen and to retain information because I would just constantly be out of it. When friends, you know, would speak to me, then I'd listen to them for a few minutes and then I'd just be gone.
2: Around middle school, I learned how to do it while sitting still. And for me, that became dangerous. I'd be out with friends and if it was a group of friends, I would, you know, I would drift back and forth. So it was really this like compulsive need to do like as soon as possible. And anytime I ran into a friend, I was almost annoyed because it was taking me away from the day
0: And that's where it really started to impede on your real life. You didn't even want to experience real life.
2: My younger self would have been like, someone said something funny. I would have to like find a way to, to incorporate into one of my stories or I was like always cradling the two worlds and to be able to just be there in the present with your friends and not having this need, just like compulsive need to create stories, is really a great thing.
0: Can you explain what yours is like? Are you the main character and are you perceiving this through first person or third person?
1: I actually see it from a bystander's perspective. They're not a character. They don't feature in my daydreams. It does sometimes go into first person and an idealized version of myself. It's me, but maybe with a bit more uh, <laughs> <laughs> <muscle>. <laughs> Yeah, It's a general, uh, I wish I could be like that guy, you know, like the
3: main guy. Maybe a dozen nations. They all have their own governments. One of them has an additional world government. There's a, f- a few religions and there's the, you know, political intrigue.
0: It's not just a fully f- Fleshed out world. It's a fully fleshed out universe.
3: I don't know where the story's going. I don't know what the characters are going to do next. And they die sometimes. That's a really weird one that's very difficult because the characters do mean a lot to me. And some of them have been with me since I was like five. And one of them died. He just died a few years ago. It's like grief. I can't bring him back, it's I don't have the power to do that no matter how much I want to. (laughs) It's difficult, I don't want to start crying. It's still real and difficult to go through. Like There's still a mourning period.
0: Maladaptive daydreaming has been the most requested topic for me to cover on this show. Do you think that has to do with its popularity on social media like TikTok?
2: The hashtag on TikTok has something like 39 million views. They've gone through their life thinking no one else does this, and now all of a sudden they see an online community. But they then want to get validated and no one will tell them it's Mm. real. So they're getting that validation from places like TikTok, and it's why they they want to see it. But I think that doctors and researchers need to start looking at this. They need to be the ones that say, wait, there's some patterns here.
0: How did you first learn about the term maladaptive daydreaming? By Googling, I have this detailed
1: world in my head, and that's how I found the forum.
3: I was in my university library, and that's where I found the word paracosm for the first time. Like, I'm, I'm on to something. Like, now I have something. I get a voicemail on my answer machine and said, do
2: you remember when you were little and you used to walk around in circles and we just thought you were crazy and didn't know what you were doing? She said, well, my daughter's doing that now, too. Did you ever figure out what that was? Yeah. Then I went to the internet, which did not exist when I was a kid, and I started doing research for her. That's that's why I found this one obscure chat room with hundreds of people posting. It is still not a recognized psychological condition. So what does that mean? That means it's not in the DSM. It's not a legitimate known disorder at this time. It's getting misdiagnosed.
0: And what kinds of things are people being diagnosed with? It's
2: autism. It's ADD, OCD, and all again, all those things can run with the daydreaming, but. You can't diagnose that just on the daydreaming alone. How
0: did you end up feeling after learning about other people experiencing this? I didn't want to admit that I
1: had maladaptive daydreaming. I was sort of in denial and I thought, I don't think that this is an actual thing. Eventually, I found a Discord server and it's just been
2: amazing ever since the support. It was the most incredible feeling in my life. My hands were shaking, I think a tear slipped out. I mean, I knew rationally that I couldn't be the only person on the planet with this, but could not find one, you know, one person to know what I was talking about. And to then see hundreds and hundreds, I was like, these people get it.
0: Do you know where maladaptive daydreaming might stem from? Is it something that you think you were born with or something that you developed over time? I definitely wasn't
1: born with maladaptive daydreaming. A lot of times, maladaptive daydreamers they would develop maladaptive daydreaming as a coping mechanism to something traumatic that happened in their life. And I just realized that, well, there were cases where I just felt neglected. And it all boils down to what the daydreams are offering me. And that is an escape from, let's say, loneliness and an escape from depression, anxiety.
2: Looking back, I had I had a learning disability that went unrecognized. And I had autoimmune disorders that you know doctors were telling me, you know, didn't exist and were in my head, and I didn't figure out till age 30. And I was also lonely. My siblings were 10 years older than me. So I do think those things all just went together to help make this fantasy world go out of control.
0: Can you get into how you became the patient X of maladaptive daydreaming.
2: I'm not the first person to have maladaptive right. daydreaming, but I think I'm the first per- person to be written up in an individual case study. I believe I'm the only person on the planet who's ever been put in a, a machine and my brainwave studied while daydreaming.
0: And What did they find when they studied your brain?
2: They expected me to be something called high mind wandering. Mind wandering is when your mind is on any off, off-task thought. So that's thinking about what you're going to eat for dinner or your to-do list. Like We all do that. They put me in the machine. What they found is the period where I was not daydreaming was when I was doing the mind wandering. The daydreaming period, they saw constructive, purposeful thought. The same area of the brain that lights up when you show a heron in addicts like drugs was the area that lit up when I daydreamed.
0: Would you say that your experience with daydreams has felt like a drug addiction in many ways? Before we continue learning about the world of maladaptive daydreaming, I wanted to let you know that we have some other episodes that you may be interested in, such as I spent a day with people with associated identity disorder, schizophrenia, OCD, ADHD, and many other mental health topics, and I'd also like to thank you for not skipping over these moments so we can continue to improve this series with the help of our sponsors like DoorDash, who's sponsoring this episode. Maybe you're like me and have no idea what you want to eat until you're too hungry to function, or you just want a home-cooked guilty pleasure but don't feel like going to the fluorescently lit grocery store that plays Christmas music in February. DoorDash connects you with anything you want whenever you want. With over 300,000 partners, you can support your neighborhood go-tos or choose from some of your favorite national treasures like Taco Bell or Olive Garden. Ordering is super easy and your items can be left safely outside your door when you choose contactless delivery drop-off so you don't have to acknowledge the existence of other humans if you don't want to. And For a limited time, our viewers and listeners of the podcast will get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code PADILLA. That's 25% off, up to $10 value and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and enter code PADILLA. Subject to change, terms apply, so be quick and nimble. And A huge shout out to BetterHelp for their continued partnership. If you've watched many episodes of this series, you know that therapy has been really beneficial in shaping who I am today by allowing me to have empathy for my younger self and therefore understand who I am today a little bit more but therapy can be customized to whatever is right for you and can be useful in providing tools to help with motivation or feelings of depression, anxiety, stress, insecurity, or whatever else that you might specifically need. BetterHelp has been continuing to improve throughout the years and screens all their therapists to ensure that they have experience and that they're certified and licensed and provides customized therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone or speak over the phone if that's not something that you're comfortable with. As many of you probably found out by now, therapy can be expensive and the price of finding a therapist that you like and connect with can be overwhelming, which is why BetterHelp offers a more affordable alternative to in-person therapy where you can start communicating with your therapist in less than 48 hours. So, Thank you to BetterHelp who are giving I Spend a Day with Viewers and Listeners 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com Padilla. That's BetterHelp.com slash Padilla. Now, back to the world of maladaptive daydreaming. Would you say that your experience with daydreams has felt like a drug addiction in many ways? Yes, it
2: feels like that kind of craving. You get to a
1: point where you start to feel these withdrawal symptoms, like you feel agitated for no reason, and it just seems like every every small thing in your day is just out to destroy everything. The problem with maladaptive daydreaming is that it's a coping mechanism, right? But it's also a behavioral addiction. That coping mechanism, becomes a dependency. Whenever something stressful or bad happens in real life, then we sort of
0: automatically escape to our, our minds. Have you tried any medications or, or anything to help you gain a little bit of control over your... Daydream. I tried to prove this study wrong that said that marijuana
1: was really bad for maladaptive daydreamers. And for me, it really helped, you know, it, it helped me focus and it helped my maladaptive daydreaming. But until I realized that I was just substituting my one addiction with another.
2: My doctor, when I first went to him, he's like, I've never heard of this before, but let's just do a family tree and he saw that there was a lot of OCD in my family. He put me on an SSRI that is more commonly used in OCD. Within six weeks, I couldn't daydream at all. So It
0: completely blanked out, no more daydreams at all.
2: This cast of characters that lived in my head for 20 years just disappeared. I was on a fairly high dose of the the OCD men, so I did start weaning down, and I got to a place where I was on a very, very, very low dose, and I could do it when I wanted to, but was completely under control. I got stuck in a New York City elevator. I sat on the floor. I knew I was safe because people were trying to get me out, and I daydreamed for an hour,
0: (laughs) and I was totally fine. That's a very easy way to make time pass. How did it feel when you had your daydreams completely turned off? That was the first time in your life that daydreams were no longer an
2: option. There had been this fear of of missing it, but the ability to enjoy my friends and my my work and my family just was amazing. It really was amazing. I remember I went to a picnic in Central Park and I just looked around. I was like, oh my God, I have really good friends and I just want to be here with them. I want to laugh with them and that was just an absolutely joyous moment.
0: Has maladaptive daydreaming ever affected any of your relationships?
1: Especially. And I think that was the worst part of being in a relationship is that me not being present, it makes them
0: feel like, like I'm neglecting them and I'm not listening to them. It is interesting how you've inadvertently placed those feelings that you felt as a child that you feel like maladaptive daydreaming helped you, you know, escape from, made some people Around you feel that way because you do have that escape. It's like this never
1: ending circle,
0: you know, and that's why it's so important for me to try and. Break out of it as well.
2: My boyfriend at the time said to me, I get this feeling that you're not completely into me. He understood that he was not on the top of my mind. He thought he was competing with my nieces and nephews, but he didn't realize he was competing with a whole cast of <laughs> characters. And frankly, he was right, because, like, I mean, I had a boyfriend to just look normal so I could go home and, and do my daydreaming.
0: If there's anyone watching who experiences maladaptive daydreaming but is unsure, about how to handle it, or maybe they don't even want to tell anyone about it because of the potentially negative stigma surrounding it, is there anything that you'd want to say to them? You're
2: not alone. It is a good idea to get some mental health care. Expect the person you're telling to have no idea what you're talking about. That's okay. If they blow you off, if they invalidate you, find someone else. Google Maladaptive Daydreaming. You will find chat rooms and you will find like thousands upon thousands of people around the world. Just like you and many of them become successful, happy adults. So this is not. This is in no way a curse. And even if right now you can't break out of it, one day you will be able to.
0: All right, you got five seconds to shout out or promote anything you want directly into camera. Go. Check out my YouTube channel, which is called Mad Art.
3: Join us on the subreddit, Our Maladaptive Dreaming. A five of us in the Maladaptive Dreaming
2: Community put together a newsletter. It's Please sign up and spread the word. And also a YouTube channel.
0: Well, there you have it. I spent a day with maladaptive daydreamers and I've come to understand how on the surface it might appear to be nothing more than harmless daydreaming, but it really is so much deeper than that. Especially when it comes to how emotionally involved and complex these daydreams are and how much they can impact and dictate every element of someone's life. Are you maladaptive daydreaming right now?
1: Not right now. I'm very focused on this interview, but I suppose, you know, if it takes a bit of time, then eventually my brain's going to go, hey, it's
0: daydreaming time. So at some point, you could be, you could start daydreaming and I, I might not even know?
1: All that's going to happen is you're going to keep talking and everything's just going to go straight over my head and I'm just going to go, what were you talking yeah. about? <laughs> okay.